Hi everyone and welcome to the first IBA Insider of the Year. My name is uh, Dr Stuart Hatcher, I'm Chief Economist at IBA. And hi there, I'm Neil Fraser, I head up the airline analysis team at IBA, one of the consultancy arms. Now to kick off this week, I suppose it should be on the Dublin conference which starts Sunday, so it's goodbye to any people who want to have a dry January. Um, so I suppose uh, Neil, it's really going to be about what the subjects we think they're going to be the main themes this year. I mean, essentially last year, it was all about gripe, everyone griping about supply chains. People were talking about how great 2023 was going to be for deals. Um, I remember from last year's market market update, I was a bit sceptical about it because the interest rates seemed just far too high uh, to really to really help and also supply chains really not not back. Um, but Going into the conference, what do I expect? I mean, from my point of view, it's interesting that on Monday, the day one side of things, we've got a lot of keynotes coming from the lesser CEOs. Now, lesser CEOs don't tend to, they don't tend to be obviously pessimistic. They they, they are there to to talk up the room. Um, but I think there's a, an unprecedented number that are literally on that Thursday with an OEM panel right in the middle as well. So that'll just bring the room down uh, uh, a little bit. But I'm wondering if there is anything that's going to be not so apparent, you know, something that, that's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be some of those things that we see that's not just the standard, the standard rhetoric that uh, that we tend to hear from them. I was going to say, Stu, because, yeah, when when we go, I was reading this week how it came out and it's quite funny because obviously your your article, naturally, as you say, talking about the lessors, etc., it's slightly more bullish than mine. I, I, I seem to err towards being the pessimist, but uh, on paper, all these orders, they, they, they've got to be sell and lease backed by these lessors. There's got to be some good news coming into 2024. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 from my, you know, I don't want to give anything away from the market update later in, in the week, but I mean, certainly, you know, if I look at, say, lessors, they typically take about 23 to 26% of, of the order book every every year. You know, it's if we look at it from standard and the backlog, it sits that way. And then they double that or even more than double that on the sale lease backs. But the last two years have been pretty poor. They're probably sitting 10 to 15 or even 20% lower than where they would normally be, um, which could argue, and they could argue and say that, well, that's really about the supply chain. But then it's relative as well. So the supply chain that is being delivering uh, has the percentage of the lessor share of that has been decreasing, um, which you would think it would be because pricing is not quite where it has to be or interest rates are making them think uh, twice about it. But I would say that the, the theme for this year certainly should be more of the lessors wanting to solidify those returns in the new pricing and the, the higher values we're seeing in the, in the marketplace. But it's whether or not they want to, um, uh, you know, some of their market share in terms of the overall size of their fleets are going to start to, to come down because of that. Um, but I would say that if you are in the market, obviously, to make re good returns, then when the pricing goes up, this is the time to sell. Um, and I would say that there are still quite a lot of people out there who are willing to buy. Uh, and certainly the big lessors are not going to be willing to buy at the top of the market. No, that, that does mean, I mean, again, I was looking I was looking for your article and I think it was funny because I was at a forecasting conference last Wednesday. And I think <laughs> the big convert, the big conversation they were having is, is it going to be a soft landing or a hard landing? Yeah, um, I think whether I don't know, I don't know whether you think that's going to trickle into um, trickle into the lessors activity this year coming up and 
do you reckon that might be a conversation that's going into well, that's going into Dublin? Uh, I would I'd be very surprised to hear any one of the lessors say anything associated with a hard landing. The word hard in any way, safe, shape, or form, um, because it gives the wrong gives the wrong message. I wouldn't be surprised to hear uh, from maybe uh, some other people in, in the conference, but um, I would say that the market definitely of doesn't use that word. Um, I would say that everyone's hoping, obviously, clearly for a. For yeah, there's, a, a, there's, uh, a, there's a an unfortunate pun <laughs> for our industry as well. <laughs> yeah, well, the the you know obviously the, the the cycle we know how the cycle plans out. We know that the cycle goes up. We know the cycle goes down. We know the types of movements that we're we're expecting. Lessors are in the business for the long term, so they know that out there, there in the in through the fog, there is a a downturn. They know that. Um, and it's really just how they prudently prepare for that. And, and when the market prices go up, they have to solidify that early. So at the moment, I would say there should be a lot of early movers uh, to try and ensure that they sell aircraft they need to sell um, and get some of those sell lease backs done and dusted before things uh, happen. Uh, and then if it does happen, then they know that they're okay. They're okay. The ones I suppose that need to be wary, of course, is anyone who's in a is in an expensive M&A situation. Um, then uh, you know they don't want to be paying over the top uh, for that. But if they're buying a business that is that is essentially cyclic proof, you know, for want for a better term, mm. um, I would say that any you know any leasing company that's set up in the correct way with the right sort of um, spread of credits and spread of assets um, with the right sort of geographic spread as well um, should be prepared for any of those types of, um, those types of drops. Cause it's not something that tends to happen on a global level. It tends to move in a, in a different way. So, um, I would say that it's really just not been the one holding the ball, um, <laughs> at, at, at the end. Um, <clears throat> but I wouldn't expect to see any of that sort of discussion now. I would, I'm expecting to hear upbeat discussions on more trades. Um, there'll be a lot of discussion I suspect around when interest rates will be coming down. Um, all I know is that it will be later than when people think it will be, um, just because that's where the market really want things to be. Um, and I would say that uh, that will, you know, if, even if there's just a message um, uh, out there that essentially or a, or a view from, uh, I would say, the central banks that there was a that they weren't going to hike anymore would actually be enough to add confidence into the market. Um, uh, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of refinancing going to be happening, going on for 2024. Um, but the other crazy thing, of course, this year is we've got the, the election super cycle as well, which is something mm. that, you know, everyone, 54 percent of the world's population is going through an election this year. So it's one of those situations where um, <laughs> anything can happen. Um, you know, it's not just the US. We've got the Indian election as well, Indonesia's election. We've got our own election at some point. Um um, but you know who knows what that you know it's just a different it's just a different uh, nutter in charge of the madhouse really um but it, it, I, I would say it's still going to be fairly upbeat um and uh, in terms of what I think Mike's going to talk about on on in, in middle of the week as well with values you know values are still rising but lease rates are still rising although I think that they're now getting to a point where they're starting to top off so there could well be that point where people see that as the uh, as the point that they need to do things about that now. No, as I say, I think there's a few, there's certainly a few interesting messages. I mean, certainly, yeah, hopefully there's a few insights from Dublin. It's quite nice to hear people's views, not just ours from reading the news. Um, 
I mean, should I should I go on to the news stories? Yeah, that I please do. Go, go on. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, from my point of view, again, we were, <laughs> I guess, lucky like last time because there was a little break Um, a few things going on. It was quite funny. I, I talked the first thing I say in my article is how as soon as we stop, it seems everyone finally got their aircraft orders in just before Christmas. Nice, little, nice bit of um, holiday shopping. Um, I mean, you had, who did you had? You had EasyJet, you had um, Turkish, finally. Finally, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, <laughs> talking about that. Um, you had Lufthansa and you also had Avalon. So again, so that was that was quite nice. It's, I, I personally find it interesting when, as I say, when you have lessors placing direct orders, because I, I personally see that as still, whilst, yeah, the, as I say, in terms of the cycle, when they actually take delivery, as I say, the cycle's in a completely different space, but I always see it as a nice positive signal. I mean, for me, another another positive signal I saw, you had Aerostana doing um, an IPO, uh, as well as Lion Air are considering it. Now, for me, I've always considered IPOs um, a positive signal. You're essentially saying, let's get some, let's get some more cash into business, into the business, um, to have to use some ideas you're generally not going to do an IPO if you don't have any ideas for the business's growth so I, I saw I saw those as quite nice positive signals um, you also had a couple of stories around Russia so you had Aircap um, having a settling I mean also you had DAE before um, just before New Year settling with Aeroflot as well um, so you had a couple of settling in that space of whether big asteroids wherever Russia's coming back into the folds so that was one um, but yeah, I mean, going into the main stories this week, again, people won't be surprised. Um, oh, actually, no, sorry, last one, Delta results. I quite liked Delta, nice and bullish, EBIT margin up from 7% to 9.5%. Um, and fuel cost was down despite the ASKs going up. So in that space, um, it should, for those on tight margins, should um, should make life a little bit nice i know the the us low cost have been suffering um because they haven't unlike the full service who had the were bolstered by the long haul they haven't quite had that benefit so and that sure enough leads me into my main stories i mean peter and i were discussing them and um it was quite funny sort of fighting between us who got what um i in the end um i gave him he had the the spirit merger one so then, uh, as I say, that getting blocked. But I'll get on to that. I mean, the first story, of course, was um, I had to relate it to Boeing. Everyone was talking about Boeing. Um, I, I do. It's it's quite nice when you're in sort of going to going to circles, meeting with friends, non-aviation people, and they're actually talking about aviation, and you're not quite as boring as you usually are. <laughs> um, so <laughs> they're all they all suddenly yeah, want to know about really. aviation things. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, so obviously we had the 737-9 loose bolts. Um, and so my my first story was the fact that ACASA still put in an order for 150 aircraft. Um, and my point was that no doubt they will have talked about the 737-9 issue as a negotiation negotiating chip. They're um they're actually they were actually for the 737 uh, dash 200s and dash 10s. Um, mm -hmm. so they're not actually getting any of the affected variant, but still obviously it's a 737 well, yeah i mean i've it's the one question i've been asked a lot about is this general generality around the um mm. the issue quality. yeah and i'm thinking well you know i've been talking about quality issues of boeing for two years um it seems that there's always something that seems to come out of the spirit plant 
um, whether they've bolt something upside down on tails or something like that. You know, it seems to be all, all sorts of problems that they need to get their action to gear. Um, I would say, though, that it's amazing how people don't really understand the difference between what the issues that are faced with with a Max 9 and any other one else. You know, obviously, clearly the ones involved the plug door. Um, they have the plug door there with a the lower density, um, which is typical for uh, US majors. Um, and it's not the case for low cost carriers or other ones in the world who are looking, who are using that door as a door um, mm -hmm. and, and have it as an emergency exit with a high limit um, where the issue doesn't exist. You know, so yeah. it, it's I would say that people are in the know, um, I think, are at least will know that this is something this is this is localized. But it does lead on to a, a, a potentially more endemic problem with quality issues that what else will come out and and. I would say that, uh, I mean, I wasn't particularly inspired when I was listening to, I think it was the the, the Bloomberg um, podcast from the aviation guy who was who was monitoring Boeing. Mm. And they asked him directly, do you think this is uh, about more technical problems with the issue? And he had no idea what <laughs> what the issue was. Um, and it, it, not ideal. Not ideal. <laughs> but it was it was it was more about, obviously, I suppose, the investor confidence in 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 Boeing, and it, and I would say that it's got nothing really to do with the seven three seven, but it is more to do with the the processes they have there. Um, and you know, I I don't doubt that you know the the aircraft from an economic point of view uh, does its job, um, and it's just there has to be shouldn't need to be, but there has to be greater vigilance um, on on the build quality. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. There's two things I want to bounce off what you just said. I mean, it's funny you make the joke about bolting a, a tail upside down because quite literally, I, ma I make the point in my article that they actually had two issues over, yeah. over this one because they had the rudder issue with bolts. So um, as, I, as I say in my article, that one was discovered less dramatically, fortunately. Um, but yeah, yeah they, um, but it was interesting because you were saying sort of the broader issues and that's the kind of the main crux of my article mm. is essentially um o'leary thinks that now the the dash 10 certification is going to get pushed to 2025 because of these issues and uh, as i say the backlog of resolving things and it's quite interesting so all those bulk orders i mentioned just before christmas i think it was well to start with what's it it's 87 percent of them before they even knew about boeing's issues 87 percent of them were for airbus which mm -hmm. is not nice reading for Boeing and that's a large amount of that was for wide bodies which we've discussed before traditionally Boeing was a bit more comfortable in so it's a bit worrying there um incidentally we, I, I also talk about Iran Air the fact they struck off so they finally struck off their finally got rid of, yeah, finally yeah, cleared no, no, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone in the industry believed it for about sort of four or five years but still it's it's, well, it's quite I, it brought smile to my face it, it took Airbus five years I think to clear out the Kingfisher A380 orders so there are some things that if you don't need to remove something, yeah, quite. Um, you know, if they paid their deposits, then um, <laughs> theoretically, it's still in the order book um, yeah, until, no, they, until the next until the next check is required. You you can argue that's that's almost a, <laughs> it's almost a death knell site. It's it's terrible for Boeing that Airbus can be sort of that bullish of like, oh yeah, we are actually doing well on wide bodies now. So yeah, we don't even need it. Um, yeah, but on the wide body ones, actually, I mean, it wasn't obviously so clearly. I mean, obviously we're waiting for the Qantas order. They'd announced that yeah. earlier in the year, and it just finally took its time to actually get out there. Same with Air France KLM. Mm. That took its time. I mean, they announced even Martin Air and A three fifty freighter order back in February. It never made its mm. way onto the order book until you know until the very last minute 
Um, but, you know, obviously one that does jump out, I suppose, obviously is Eva Air. Um, you know, we're talking about a very traditional triple seven operator mm. um, that has now moved to uh, essentially refleet via, you know, the A350-1000. Mm. Obviously, it's a like for like, essentially in its size, um, but it's also the, something that's available today. So, um, you know, that's that would obviously clearly more upsetting um, to to Seattle to see uh, to mm. see that. No, I mean, for me, yeah, I, so there's the wide body story, but it was also the, um, I know Peter last year talked about the upgaging trend and it was the fact such, it was 350, so over half those orders, 351, I think was the number, mm-hmm. were April 21s and that yeah. 747-10 getting delayed, that's that's going to really hurt the fact everyone's after large narrow bodies and yeah. this-10 getting delayed, that's, it's going to make their situation even worse. So, I mean, yeah, we talked I about I quite agree. Yeah, it's um, I mean, it, a bit it, worrying. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, I mean, I, I was preparing for the market update as well. I was um, uh, trying to assess how many, you know, when you're looking at, say, that's the overall order book for, you know, the net orders essentially for, um, for 2023. I mean, the whole year was about 1,300 A321s versus 339 MAX 10s. Um, mm. But when you look at the number of model changes that have happened, i.e. from yeah. an A20 through a true an A321. EasyJet did that as well in their recent you know, order. Just two off 2,400. So it was 2,398 model changes from another Airbus aircraft to an A321 versus mm. 125 for the MAX-10. <laughs> yeah. So mm. it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even in the same realm. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, the other cases as well, you know, when we look at it, it's other models have got some variables in there. But the, the 321 just is um, kicking it really, really um, uh, out of the park, really. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's great news to them. I mean, the other the other side of my story was obviously talking about the Indian market very briefly. So mm-hmm. ACAS, uh, I mean, it, it, was, it was nice that, as I said, uh, no, it's funny, name very similar name to Alaska talking about Alaska last year ACASA now um is it is oh, I've forgotten what the word what the word is when you have a rearrangement of letters um but mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure the 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 listeners will know well, uh, anyway yeah um but we were it was um yeah 150 aircraft they're only actually operating 22 at the moment and they had 54 already in production so I worked it out it was a 927 percent ratio which even Indigo with their 984 aircraft on order, there's that's still only 275%. So, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, so confident. Um, and the, the other thing is as well, you've got both, you've got Air India sort of rising for a fight. And obviously Indigo's like battling 908. Whilst everyone's really bullish for India, that's like, that. that is something that I just, yeah. It's difficult. It's difficult to see the positives there. It's difficult to see them pulling through that. Um, but well, not to mention, you also need obviously clearly the infrastructure required, mm-hmm. not just the market. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and, and someone willing to SLB that to them, like if I if I'm a lessor and sort of well, yeah, that's that, that's that's beyond risk. That's beyond, that's not just normal risk. <laughs> yeah the final story i guess just um just to, oh, to cover it in our time it. slot um to be fair this one was quite this one was quite a quick one but um yeah the what was the yeah the last story of course everyone was talking about it and it's quite funny because we we kind of 
we kind of tempted fate with this one in our last talking about last time saying about oh yeah there's a lot of synergy here oh yeah it's great for both those airlines and sure enough the DOGJ was looking I'm not sure they were listening but they were looking at the airline um so yeah so you heard um Spirit and uh Spirit and JetBlue mergers obviously now just got blocked um so it was I mean they didn't help themselves. There was that leaked document about um, Spirit possibly upping their fares by 40%. Um, so that was kind of writing on the wall for that one. But um, that is a risk. I mean, but the, it was interesting. So in America, you've got the eyes cast uh, cast that direction. But in Asia, you've got mergers. The, as you say, relating mergers are, are still occurring elsewhere. You had, I thought was a really interesting story. We talked about AirAsia X doing quite well last year. Um, sort of their long haul focus, similar to how Singapore had had success and Cafe had had success on sort of the long haul side of things out of Asia. AirAsia X, now the plan is to merge that brand. Capital A had done a transaction and now plans to merge AirAsia X with um, AirAsia. So that mid to long haul with the short haul. Um, but yeah, my final, and then that equivalent with Thai AirAsia and Thai AirAsia X. But I mean, my final story that we related to that then was. Obviously, we've just talked about JetBlue getting blocked. The po another positive was Korean Air and Asia Asiana. Finally, that merger got approved by the EU. I mean, I always found it weird how the Korean market seemed to be so many markets needed approval. I mean, yeah. it's very polite of them, but yeah. um, it's interesting. But of there for them, I mean, we're talking about Alaska and Hawaii, and there's also that one in Korean Air and. Um, I have more hope for the Alaska uh, Hawaii yeah. one. I yeah, think that makes more sense. It's, and also, their market position is not quite as, um, in you know, in the sort of where that where we the detrimental aspects where things could go. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think I still think that's good for people in terms of providing a more balanced, like a, a connected service, mm -hmm. um, to West Coast Americans. I still think Korean. I mean, as I say, I still think it's weird that the, the other markets. I know, yes, they're entering those markets uh, internationally, but yeah, it's whether it's whether the DOT what mood they're in. I think you said it last time, and I guess this is quite it's quite a nice area to end it. Is you were saying a lot of it depends on the moods that the DOJ is in, um, not the DOT, DOJ is in. Yeah. So. Um, whether if they've done one does it extend to hawaiian alaska but also does it extend beyond their market to korean air and asiana i still think the korean markets the korean market's super interesting the fact that they they support to most market most countries apart from obviously the us being massive yeah most countries only have one flag carrier one full service carrier and mm -hmm. um, so the fact they have those and they've got I mean, Jeju, the Jeju route to Seoul is the most, like, lots of most people know it's the, the most, the busiest route there is. Um, but they've got so many low cost carriers as well. Like, I, I can't see why people would object necessarily to there beyond, as I say, them being ultra protective. But I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's all the, that's all the stories I wanted to cover this week. I mean, did you have any other ideas or anything, Stu, you wanted to cover? No, no, no. I mean, I would say that, uh, no, those things are pretty much the thing on there. Um, I suppose one other subject that, that kind of the Boeing story has kind of pushed a little bit away from is the the the, the fallout from the GTF situation um, with Pratt Winnie. Yeah. It's kind of it's the magician's trick. Look at this hand while the other hand's doing something else. <laughs> um, I that was another subject I suspect will will should rear its head in terms of what the the pressures that are going on. When I look at the park fleet, 
there is a um, you know over eighty percent of the Part Three Twenties are GTF powered. Um, mm. Unsurprisingly, most of the Max that are powered are Max Nines um, with <laughs> basically two carriers. Um, so I would say that there, it, we, we, it's going to be an interesting few months to see how those things shape up. You know, so essentially the GTF may not be quite as bad as what initially people think, but I would still say that there is still a, a real issue and confidence battle that have people have with um, with quality clearly. I think, yeah, I think as well, because on that, you had the COVID backlog of shop visits anyway. So mm-hmm. whether that whether that filters in as well makes Oh, that's them, that's, um, that's a mountain. That's a mountain you yeah. can climb on top of it. Yeah. Um, so there, there's there's no way to see through that for, for a long time. But I mean, hopefully, I mean, it's almost laid the way for you and I in a story day in a fortnight's time. Um, let's just, yeah, <laughs> see if something develops. But no, I mean, I, I think then... Um, you having you having taken the intro, I'll take I'll take the outro. Um, I think yeah, thanks everyone for listening at this point. Um, the the actual articles themselves are available through IBA, so just simply send an email to marketing at iba.aero. Um, and likewise, once you've got that, it's got Stu and I's email, so we're more than happy to answer questions on things. And Stu's in Dublin um, at the end of the month as well, so. Um, feel free to to use what we've said here to filter in some nice difficult questions for him on stage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not um, too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thanks everyone, and I'll leave it there. Cheers. Cheers.